The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at overlandpark.cc. Man, welcome to OPCC. Welcome to all of you here this morning. And welcome to those of you joining online. Many of you are uh, still uh, sheltering and avoiding crowds. And uh, what I want to say to you, man, is I miss you guys. I miss your faces and can't wait till we kind of get past this experience and things get back to some sort of a new normal for us. And um, I just uh, want to encourage all of you in the Lord. I, if I look tired, um, it's because I am. <laughs> I, uh, we've been working a lot on the uh, project downstairs, and, and hats off to Shay for preaching and uh, taking us through Philippians. I was encouraged in the Lord um, from, from the word he brought and, and appreciate that. And that certainly um, helped me tremendously to be able to dive into this project and really save thousands of dollars for the church and uh, we believe one of our core values is, is stewardship. And so we try to make a little bit go a long way. And we're in, a, in the phase of a church right now where I can do that. And I know that as the church grows and, and there's more demands from the congregation, that won't be possible for me in, in the future. But right now we feel like that's a good investment and that's what we're doing. And so I appreciate, uh, appreciate Shay filling in on the pulpit. And I appreciate uh, all the help we've had. Man, we've had a lot of help up here um, in picking this project up, and a lot has been done downstairs. And we're nearing the, the completion of that portion of it. And we're finalizing, I should uh, be finalized with the budget uh, for the exterior project. And the next week, the advisors and I will meet, and then we'll be coming before you as a body and, and making some really important decisions about moving forward with what we have planned for the exterior of the building. So fun times in 2020 at OPCC. Yeah, yeah come on, man. Uh, and so, uh, what, you know, when you're in a project like this, it's kind of funny. You, you, there's, it's, over, it's, a, it's a lot different than doing a, a project at home. And the reason is, is because the space, and this is a smaller church, but the space is much more massive. Like even where, where your tools are located, usually they're in the same room. You're constantly going back and forth and trying to stay organized. And, and it can be an overwhelming feeling. And you get to these places in the, along the project timeline where you, you like, oh, well, we need, to, we need to paint that right there. And then we need to uh, put this uh, trim on this cove base. Everybody makes fun of me because I love cove base. And so the, the staff makes fun of me. It's just a commercial product that you use in commercial buildings. But anyway, I, I look at it and we need to get that on. And, and so I'll, I'll, I'll be moving along like we're, we're laying flooring last night. And, uh, and, and I started to stop and put cove base on and finish painting this spot. And I, 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 had to, I had to check myself. And I was like, man, that's a minor. Like, I don't need to do that. I need to stay focused on the majors. Um, you don't want to major in the minors because you can't get anything done when you're trying to do something at work and in leadership. You have to focus on um, the major things because the minors, you might think, well, I'll do two or three things here uh, and these won't take me long and I'll start chipping away and knocking them off and get them out of the way. Well, then you never get the major stuff done because the minors took up so much of your time. So I had to catch myself and go, no, man. Let's get back over here uh, on the majors. We can come back through and knock that stuff out quick later, and somebody else can even do that. We need to stay focused on this flooring and knock it out tonight in these two rooms, and we, we were able to do that. And so, uh, so it's a good practice uh, to, 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 major, to not major on the minors, to stay focused on the majors. But at some point, you got to stop, and you got to focus on the minors, 
or all that major work you just completed won't look good because it's the minor details that make things pop. And so when we look in the Bible, we've got these guys called the minor prophets. They're the last 12 books of your Bible, all very short books. And they're known also as the writing prophets because a lot of them um, wrote down uh, themselves. They were the authors, and so we have these um, um, prophets writing and leaving a record behind of uh, the word of the Lord that they received. And so um, there, there's a lot of stuff in there that we call them the minor prophets because uh, we don't focus on them a whole lot. Like when's the last time you heard a sermon, heard somebody say, all right, I want you to open the word, open your Bibles to the book of Obadiah. How about Nahum, Habakkuk? Like, those are in the Bible. We have every one of them, last 12 books of the, of the Old Testament. And so there's some really important and, and valuable stuff. I've never preached through most of them. Uh, I've preached through some of them. And uh, we started, actually, in the last series uh, that we wrapped up when we were in the lion, we dealt with Hosea and uh, uh, Amos. We were in those two uh, minor prophets. They're the first couple of, of minor prophets there. And so we're going to be moving around, and we're going we're gonna to major in the minors, okay? Because I think there's a lot of um, powerful stuff for us to learn that is applicable for our day and age in the world that we're living in. Now, my boys' names, I have two boys, three girls, are Joel and Jonah. All right, those are minor prophets. Now, a lot of times people think I picked biblical names. I didn't. Um, Joel is named after a cousin that I lost um, when I was probably about seven or eight, and he was 14. And so I wanted to honor my cousin, um, who we lost early in life in, in, in our family. And so I chose the name for my first son uh, to be uh, Joel David. And Jonah sounds like a very strong biblical name, but he is actually named after the kid in the movie Sleepless in Seattle. Okay. <laughs> That was Abby and I, like, we loved that movie when we were dating, and, uh, and so I said, man, that's a, that's a really cool name, and we were, we were scared about picking that name. You don't name your kid Jonah. You don't hear that very much. We love the name, man, and it's so appropriate uh, for, for, for Jonah, and so we're, we're encouraged by that. And so I, I, have a, I have a little Joel, and I have a little Jonah, okay? And I used to tell people when they were Shays boys' age, when they were little guys running around, I used to tell people... These are the minor prophets, and I'm the major. <laughs> and so I would remind them often that I was the major prophet, but they're slowly um, growing, and they're, men are becoming so helpful around the house, and I appreciate all that they, they do, and my girls as well. Uh, but they're, 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 they're becoming fine young men, and I'm encouraged by how they, they uh, want to honor the Lord and, and, and follow him, and so they're just a big help. And so, guys, no matter how much I... Get on you, even like yesterday, which you deserved. Amen? Amen. You deserved it. I appreciate you and all the work that you do um, around the church and around the house. And so I, I do have a little Jonah, but here's the deal is I had a little Jonah in me long before 2003, which is when he was born. And I think all of us, as we dive into the book of Jonah today, um, I think most people can relate to running from God. And I certainly can because I ran hard and fast. I was a young man that um, 
knew the Lord at an early age. I, I, I became a Christian and was born again when I was nine years old, and I had a relationship with the Lord, man, and I was growing, and that went on for several years until I was 15, and um, I started recognizing as I look back, I didn't know this at the time, but I think the Lord was trying to call me into ministry about the age of 14 or 15. Because I was confused. I was at church camp and I was trying to, I was wrestling. Man, I, I had this experience that was so powerful. And, and um, so it was, it was a very emotional experience, but it was rooted in, like, it wasn't just emotion. It was rooted in truth. And I was trying to figure out, well, maybe I'm not a Christian. And I remember meeting with some counselors and they, they told me, they worked me through some things and said, well, no, you, you're, 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 a, you're a believer. Maybe you just need to recommit your life. But I think what the Lord was doing at that time was calling me into ministry, and nobody recognized it. I didn't recognize it, um, and, and no one else did. And, and so what happened was is the expectations of the Lord started to increase in my life the more I learned about the Lord and the more I obeyed. And so long about 15 all these expectations of what the Lord had for me and these, this peer pressure of the world outside of all of my friends and where they were at in life, and they certainly weren't um, consumed with following the Lord, uh, it, it, what happened is I, I started to run, man, and I ran hard and I ran fast and I ran far away from the Lord. And uh, I lost a lot. I call those the, the years of loss of my life for a, about a seven-year period from 15 to 22 um, what I refer to that time, it wasn't Jesus' time, it was Jimmy time. And there's a lot of it, you know, it's just sad. There's a lot of it I can't even remember. Like, I just don't remember anything about it. I remember some friends, but there's, there's not really that much significant that happened in my life, and I regret it. Like, I regret it tremendously those seven years. I feel like the enemy just stole them from me. And... Uh, the only valuable thing about those years for me in my life have been that I've been able to lay them against what happened when I really um, started running with God. And when I started running with God, and uh, man, like the joy, the joy that flooded my soul the moment that I resurrendered my life to the Lord and quit running has never gone away. And so all of my motivation, like, to, to be in ministry and what I do, a lot of times people think, well, is it because you like to preach and, and teach? No, man, I didn't even know that that was going to be part of the thing when the Lord got a hold of me. I, I didn't even know I could speak. I didn't know it was something that the Lord had gifted me with. And so I don't do it because I, I speak and you work these hours at the church doing these projects. Like, how do you stay motivated? Man, it is for the joy of the Lord that floods my soul. It's never gone away. And so it, it, I was able to like invest my life in the kingdom based on what happened internally inside of me it was a spiritual awakening and I allowed the, the complete full surrender of the Lord to happen and I quit letting my f flesh run things. And so the joy of the Lord flooded my soul and, and, and it just like I remember, man, I can remember my dad. My dad was a very wise man. And most of the time if he said something like it was, it was spot on and you wanted to listen to him. Um, and and there, there are just a couple of times in my dad's life, in my life, that I remember that I don't think he was right. And one of them, 
Uh, no, there's a lot of times that I thought he wasn't right, but I end up figuring out he was. Uh, but I remember one time that he told me, and, and he, he was well-meaning because he knew my personality, that I would, I would get fixated on something as it was new, and I would just get into it. You know, I got a dirt bike, and I was all into dirt bikes. And then I got a boat, and I was all into boats, and I would just jump around. And, and what I was doing during that phase of my life was part of that seven years is I was searching, man, I was searching for meaning um, and for fulfillment. But when I got a hold of the Lord, man, the joy just like, whoa. And I just walk around with a smile on my face all the time. And, and I remember my dad telling me, he said, son, it's not always going to be this way. And I was 22 at the time. And I looked at my dad and I said, dad, I think it is. And I was right, and he was wrong. One time. <laughs> and so the Lord has just, many just poured out and flooded, that, uh, flooded me with that joy. And so that's what keeps me motivated. And, and, and so the, the, what happens is, is that when you start to hear and feel the weight of the expectations of the Lord on your life, it scares you to death, and in your flesh you will flee. But if you can grab a hold of listening to the Spirit, that's why we sing this song, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Flood this place. Flood me with, like, with your power, with your presence. May I be overcome with it. If you can learn to listen and hear from the voice of the Lord and fully surrender, then what will happen is you will start to run with the Lord and this joy that I'm talking about, along with all these other benefits of the kingdom, we call them the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. All of these things, they, they just start growing in your life as a result of surrendering to the expectations. And your faith begins to increase. Because now you realize what used to scare you about running with God because of what you thought he was going to ask you to do, you become flipped and you are afraid not to listen to the Lord because of all of the benefits and blessings that he's pouring out in your life that you don't want to miss out on. And so I look at that period of that seven years of loss and the only beneficial thing of, of it is I could lay it a, a, out there and I can compare the rest of my life and go, man, I'm, I'm living now. <laughs> John 10.10, 10, the thief has come but to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but Jesus said, I have come to have life and to, uh, give, it, or to give life and to give it abundantly. And so what I had decided there at 22, as the Lord was just, man, rolling in my life, and all this joy, all this peace, all this just enjoying life, then I just decided from that moment on I would do double time to make up for the seven years I lost. And the Lord has gone exceedingly beyond all of my expectations, just like the Apostle Paul says he will. And so I, I'm still living in double time, <laughs> and I'm going to until they put this old body six feet in the ground. And then I'm just going to rise on to be with the Lord, and I'm really learning to live on the earth the way that I will live forever and ever and ever. Okay? And so, like, I look at this and go, man, we look at Jonah, and I'm encouraged that the Lord gives us a prophet who ran. Because there are lessons that we can learn from him that will help us to understand 
what's going on inside of us, how can we avoid the same mistakes? So there are going to be some major things from this minor prophet that we can focus on that I hope that you will listen to the Lord and allow him to do in your life what he's done in my life. That's why I'm here, okay? That's why I moved to Overland Park. As the Lord knew, he called me, he brought me here, and he brought me here in order to teach a group of people and lead them before him that they might learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Okay, so like listen to the word of the Lord as we jump into the story uh, of Jonah, man. And it's a cool book, okay? And, and, and like we're going to just kind of dive in a little bit uh, and unpack it, look at the story. I'll give you a few key lessons from it, and then we'll, we'll go home, and I'm going to take a nap. But I'm not taking a nap right now, so don't you either, all right? All right. Verse 1, chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, this is pretty interesting. It says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, first of all, the Lord already knew about the wickedness of Nineveh, okay? And so what we think in terms of the story of Jonah is like that, that God came down and said, Jonah, go thou thereforth to Nineveh. It's sin has come up before me, and I want you to go. That's probably not what happened. He was probably out doing what he does, and his heart started filling on the inside. And he started thinking about Nineveh. And over and over, the Lord was impressing on him, Nineveh. He's like, I don't want, like, why would I go to Nineveh? You see, when the Lord called me to Overland Park, there was a series of events that started happening. And I thought a lot about Overland Park. And I looked more, and I met with people, and I started investigating. And, and I knew the Lord was calling me to go and, and, and do a different kind of ministry somewhere. I just didn't know where. And, and so I was listening, but I never heard him say, Jimmy. Like, it was an impression. And so here's this guy, man, and he's, he's doing whatever he does. And we don't know a lot about Jonah. Like, we got this narrative story of him, uh, and, and he's doing whatever he does, and, and, and it says, the word of the Lord came to him. And the word of the Lord has came to me. Like, it doesn't ever come to me like it, it's come to where we have Scripture from what the Lord has said to me, but certainly the Holy Spirit, and Jesus said this would happen, is the Holy Spirit leads us, he guides us into all truth, and, and so he impresses upon us. And so the, the word of the Lord will come to you as you read the word, as you pray, like the, what the Lord wants you to do will come. And, and so here he is, and, and it says the word of the Lord came to him, go and preach to Nineveh. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. The Lord impressed on Jonah to go east and he went west. Like, he, he just couldn't reconcile with the Lord. He's like, man... Here's what Jonah did. Like, he's looking at, and like, so Nineveh was where the Assyrians, they ruled. They were like a world power during this time. They were oppressive and mean, and they, were, they did awful things to all kinds of people, and they did 
awful things to the Jews. And so when you re- read about in the New Testament, the, the city of Samaria, and you remember the story of the woman at the well, um, and, 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 and nobody, like they didn't want to go through the town of Samaria. Remember that? Like, but Jesus said, no, we have to go through Samaria. And so the Jews would take the long way around, and they would go around um, Samaria. They didn't want to take the shortcut back to Jerusalem right through Samaria because they were so offended by the Samaritans. Well, the Samaritans were half Jewish and half Assyrian. And so the, the Assyrians had captured them and, and they, had, uh, they had intermarried with the, some of these people or, or had relations with them. And, and so you have these half Jewish people. And that's why they were hated so much because all the way back to the time of Jonah, several hundred years before, like they hated um, the Assyrians for how cruel they were. And so as, as God says to Jonah, man, you, you go to uh, Nineveh and, 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 and you preach to them. And Jonah's like, Ain't nobody got time for that, okay? That's where people are living today in the kingdom. The Lord starts to impress upon your heart that he wants obedience out of you on a particular thing, and, and we, we easily get into this place where I ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. He's not talking to me. He's talking to somebody else. That may be okay for Jimmy. It may be cool for Shay and, and Corey and Sean, and that's good. And I, but I give. <laughs> I go to church, and I help here and there. Well, Amen. Like, that's what we're all supposed to do. I do those things too. The thing is, is are we listening? Are we listening? And are we following? Because he is saying something to us, and he expects obedience out of us. So the word of the Lord, it says, but Jonah ran away. He goes down to Joppa. He gets him a a ticket. He's going to get on this ship. He said, man, I'm going west. Maybe if I get out of here, this will get off my mind. I'm probably just thinking crazy. I got things to do. I'll take this little business trip. I'll I'll see some people I know, da-da-da-da. Like he's telling himself over and over all these things. We had to fill in the blanks. What's going on with him? He's, He's headed west and he's supposed to be headed east. And here's what happened. Then the Lord sent, listen, you're going to underline this in your Bible. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And all the sailors, like they were professional sailors, they knew what they were doing. They were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. And so these experienced sailors, man, they were polytheistic. They, during this time, they believed in all kinds of different gods. And so this guy might have this god, and this guy might worship the sun god, and this god, he, he worships the, you know, god of fertility. And they just had all these different gods, and, and it was normal for them. And so whenever they're out sailing, it was a time that's supposed to be safe for sailing. And no storms, especially a violent storm, should be happening this time of year. So they're out sailing, man, and they're just doing their thing, whatever sailors do. And they're, they're slopping the deck and whatever. And Captain Jack is up there giving orders and everything. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a violent storm comes. And they're like, what is going on? And so they're like looking around, and man, the storm, the water's starting to come over uh, the, the edges of the, of the ship, and, and it's starting to take on water, and they're worried, and so they've got to make this thing more buoyant. And so what do they do? They're going to get rid of all the cargo, which is the income that they were going to make by delivering the cargo. And so this is what they had to do. They jettison the cargo. They throw it overboard, lighten the load, raise that thing up out of the water uh, further so it's not pushed down, and they won't be taking on as much water. And so they did that, and they were in this frenzy, and they were they were afraid and they were praying. They had gotten real spiritual and that's what storms will do. But it says that Jonah, he was down below deck and uh, he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. 
He's out, man. And the captain went to him. He's probably going through the manifest. Where is everybody? You know, we got a one dude missing. Where is that guy at? And so the captain goes on a journey. He finds him down below deck, and he's like, hey, like I did the boys yesterday. I came home, and I, I told him, I said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go, and you're going to go mow uh, 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 the, the lady's yard who's hired you. You're going to go check uh, on, on the Rafi's yard that you need to mow, and then you're going to get those tents out that I loaned you for that camp out that I knew I shouldn't have loaned you because I knew you wouldn't put them back upright. Amen, amen, amen. You're going to dry them out, and after you're done, then you're going to come up to the church and check on me, and, and, and then we'll go from there, okay? And so they, I had a guy working on, on our heat and air. He was installing a new HVAC for us. And so little did they know that they, they think, well, when Dad gets up there at the church, man, he gets locked down. He'll be up there until 9, 10 o'clock tonight. Now, he's got too much to do. They saw the church yesterday. They knew there was a lot, and they want to avoid this place like the plague when we're in a project because you... You get locked down. And so, so I, I send them home and do it. Well, I have to go home, and I, I, I get hungry. I'm going to go home and get me something to eat, and I'm going to check on the air guys. So I get home, pull up in the driveway, man, and the grass has not been touched. The tents are laying in the driveway, and I walk in, and Joel is sitting in the chair, and I said, where's your brother? And all I could hear is, and, and he said, well, he's in there. And I, boy, I was like, I started kicking. And I said, give me those phones. And I took the phones and I said, you get them back when all the work is done. And they, they, they got it done. And so that's what the captain was doing, man. He's like, hey, man, come on, bro. There's a storm up there and we're all praying. We're having a prayer service. We're praying to every God we can think of. You need to get up and pray to your God because we think we're all going to die. And so the sailors are all up there, and they're like trying to figure out what to do. They're all praying. One's praying to this God. One's praying to that God. Who knows what's going on on top of that uh, above deck. And so Jonah comes up there. He sees all of this. And the sailors have been talking, man. And they say, somebody is responsible for this because this kind of stuff doesn't happen. And so they decide to throw lots, to cast lots. We're going to decide who, who is responsible for this. So they take like some little sheep bones that had some dots on them, kind of like our modern dice, and they cast them and as the number falls it falls on a particular lot and guess what man they're all rolling boom 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 and boom it's Jonah and they're all looking at him they're like bro what did you do that would cause such a violent storm who is your God and where are you from tell us like what is going on why is this happening and Jonah says I am a Hebrew you, you, you worship the God that Moses, like uh, the, the Pharaoh and all the plagues, that's your God. Man, people knew about the God uh, the, of the Hebrews. And he says, I am a Hebrew. And he says, I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and, and the land. And this terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? And they knew a little bit of his story because he had told them. And the interesting thing is, is he gives a testimony. What does a preacher do when he tries to run and he's trying to be disobedient? God sent a storm to, to, to not allow him to get away with it. Then God made sure the, the lots on the dice fell just like they needed to. And then God made sure that the preacher opened his mouth and did just exactly what he wanted him to do. So when we run from God, we think we can run and get away with it. You will never get away with it. 
God is in sovereign control of the universe. As a matter of fact, when I look at all of the things going on in the world, you say, well, do you think this is like the, the craziness that's going on in the world right now? Do you think this is punishment uh, upon America? No, I think the Lord is trying to wake up his church. Like that's what I think he's trying to do. There's so many weak and anemic churches out there that aren't listening to what the Lord has asked us to do. And I think that's where what's going on. And so the, the sea was getting rougher, it says. And so, so they ask him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Well, Jonah says, pick me up and throw me into the sea. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And then it, it'll, come, it'll become calm. I, I, I know that it is my fault that this grief and this storm has come upon you. And Jonah's come to the place in his life where he has convinced himself that it would be better to die than listen to the Lord. That's where a lot of people are today. Instead, the men, they did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord. Now they're talking to Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for, uh, for you. Oh, Lord, have done, or, uh, for you, O oh Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. And as, at this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And I, they tossed the bro overboard. He's like losing him in the sea. And they're like, they make a sacrifice. I don't know what that looked like. But they started having a conversation. They said, well, bro, when I get back to town, I'm going to look into this Hebrew God. I've never seen anything like that. Now, when we look at this and we start to unpack and go, okay, what are the lessons for us? Here they come really quick. We, as humans would rather run away instead of obey. That's what you need to know about yourself. As a human being, everything that is wired inside of you, when the Lord starts to reveal something to you, you are always instinctively in your flesh going to want to run as fast as you can. God asked Jonah to go to this corrupt city and preach. These people are fierce enemies. And Jonah grew up hating these people. He's afraid of them. And the other thing that he knew is that any time God asked a prophet to go and send a message, that God was going to give them an opportunity to repent. And he didn't want them to have that. He didn't want them to be spared. And so God, in this, we see, ask him to do some scary stuff. Here's the deal. God asked every believer that is in the kingdom to do one singular thing, and you will never get away from it. It doesn't matter how far you run. It doesn't matter how much you don't like it when you hear it. You will never get away from it. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey uh, everything that I've taught you. Just go make disciples. 
That's what we are so focused on, man, and I keep pushing and leaning into this because I realize, man, the problem with the American church, which ought to be the, it is the strongest church on the planet, okay, so I'm not hating on the church, I realize all the good that it does, but we do, we're anemic, we need to have more power, and the problem is, is we're not making disciples, we're making large gatherings of people who are coming and observing things about the truth being proclaimed, and they're singing, but they're not obeying and listening to the voice of the Lord. They don't know how. And so like our job is to go and make disciples. It's called a commission. And the great commission and it is a commission is simply a command and believers can't run from it. Here's the second thing. Running from the commission is costly. Just like what did Jonah's what was Jonah's commission? Go and preach. What is the great commission? Go and preach. You say, "Well, I'm not a preacher." The word preach just means proclaim. Go and proclaim the things that God has done, what he is doing, what he has done in the past, what he's doing in your life right now, and what he intends to do in the future. That's all discipleship, okay? And so he says, go and do this. And so Jonah runs, and it's costly. Jonah went down to Joppa. Anytime you're running from God, you're always going down because God is always up, okay? He goes down to Joppa. Running from God is always down. He paid his own fare, and it cost him a lot, but... What, he, what we need to realize is you generally don't understand how much it costs to run, okay? If we did, and this is what happened to me, I go back to my testimony in the beginning. If it did, if we realized what it was costing us, we'd stop running, okay? Now, so what are the guys, he, it not only cost him, it cost the people with him. They lost their entire cargo. They're not getting paid now. Impacted all of their families. And he's sleeping down below, and so you would say, I would say to you, an absence of guilt does not mean that you are doing right. Because he's sleeping like a baby below deck as he's running away from the Lord. But God is after him, okay? Here's the third thing. Running from the commission is irrational. Running from God sets a cycle of irrationality and motion. Things go from good to bad and bad to worse. Jonah thought that it was better to die than it would be to obey. Throw me into the sea. <laughs> when you're running from God, you get totally irrational. And you're making horrible decisions. But you think you're making good decisions. You see, you, So right now, like if you're running from God, you could be in a place in your life where you're making totally irrational decisions. And somebody, and this is what makes discipleship so powerful, is that in discipleship, you can't hide from that irrationality. And outside of discipleship, you can hide from it. You can come on Sunday mornings and you can go in and out. And nobody knows, like you kind of got your system worked out. But when you start walking with a group of people, that, no, that, that irrationality comes to the surface. And you may not even know you're being irrational. But you will find out when you start walking with a group of men or a group of women and you start pouring truth over your life that all of a sudden the irrationality will come to the surface. And you don't know you're irrational. That's why we call it irrationale. Like being, you're, you're being irrational. It's like, <clears throat> you don't know. You think it's everything's okay, but as someone else starts to lean in, you're like, whoa. And so then you start this going back and forth, and you might end up like, Jonah, well, it'd be better for me to die than it would be to do that. I ain't got time for that. Man, you're, what are you talking about? That's for somebody else. That's not for me. And as you go through, it's all this stuff starts spinning around, and you're becoming irrational, and that's what happens as a cycle of irrationality sets place in your mind. They, they start throwing things overboard. Um, and then ultimately, they're in the, one of the most violent storms they ever faced. They get the oars out. Well, you're going to row a ship in a storm. 
Why didn't Jonah just say, take me to Nineveh? Because he was being irrational. And that's what happens when we run from God. So we want to listen to what God is saying because it's too expensive to run. And the cycle of irrationality is a waste of your life. So that's seven years wasted. Um, And that brings us to the big idea. Run with God, not from him. Always run with God, not from him. Here's, here's the thing. I think it was Donald Barnhouse made this famous. When you run away, you never get where you're going, and you always pay the fare. But when you run to God, you always get there, and he pays the fare. So you have to decide today whether you want to live like Jonah or you want to live like Jochebed. Now, who in the world is Jochebed? Anybody know? It may be Yohebed. That's Moses' mother. And during the time of Pharaoh, they got worried about all these Hebrews that were being born. Like, they're going to overtake us. There's too many of them. So they had a mass infanticide. It would be a historic, what we would call abortion today. Going to get rid of some of these kids. There's too many of them. And abortion is just a way to run from God. Amen. So they had this infanticide, going to kill all the Hebrews that are born male, kill them. As soon as they hit the, as soon as they they come out of the womb, kill them. Moses, Yohabed, she heard from the Lord. She felt that this child was different. Maybe he's the one. And so she felt something. And so she, she figured out a way to have the baby and not have him immediately killed. And then what she did is she said, All right, what am I going to do with this baby? He's like, he's getting too, he's too loud. They're going to find him, and they're going to kill him. So she comes up with a plan, and she says, I'm going to take him and make this little basket thing, and I'm going to put him in it, and I know where Pharaoh's daughter bathes and we're going to slip this thing down there in the bull rushes, and, and maybe if the, if the Lord is in this, he'll at least know that I did all that I could, and it's up to him. And, and so she puts him in there, man, and, and then she sends her other daughter, and is like, you watch from the hillside. And so here she comes down, this rich, wealthy woman of royalty. And she's getting ready to bathe, and she looks over, and she sees it. And she tells her servants, Fetch that over there. What is that? And they bring it over, and there is this baby who's crying in there. And she's overcome in the moment, and she takes the baby out, and she looks at him. And down from the hill runs Moses' sister. It's one of the Hebrew slaves' babies. Do you want me to fetch somebody to nurse him for you? Yes, go, go get someone. And so she goes and gets her mother, her brother's mother. And she brings Yohebed back. And Pharaoh's daughter says, take this child home with you, care for him, and I will pay you. She did what the Lord wanted her to do. And the Lord took care of the fair. And when we run from God, we're trying to get somewhere that we will never arrive to. And all it will do is cost us along the way. But when we stop,
and say, I'm going to start running with God. Then the Lord starts leading us, working out the details, blowing our minds, exceeding our expectations, and always picking up the fare. And so my question for you today is, if you're not running with God, or if you're not listening on a particular area, you go, man, I, I know I am in a bunch of places, but this one thing, how much is it costing you right now? The answer is you don't know because you don't know what blessings await putting your baby in the bulrushes and seeing what God does when you're willing to listen to his voice. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.